0: Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss the bad brains.
1: What you are about to hear is deeply disturbing.
2: If you haven't heard this band and you think of reggae and heavy metal, it's not really what you would think is a good combination. But the Bad Brains formed in Washington, D.C. in the late 70s. They have mixed hardcore punk, reggae, dub. Experiment sonically with very little equipment. I mean, a lot of Lee Perry's dubs were made with two four tracks.
0: And from it Thank you. You take some sounds and you echo them and you put them through
1: effects. Drop out certain instruments, bring in certain reverbs and things like that. Until you get like... And then started to add echo. And this became exciting. And, and
2: metal, altogether. Of my favorite hardcore bands. I don't know what you would call them exactly. I don't know if I'd call them punk or metal or hardcore or reggae. They kind of fit into all of us. I'll
0: make decisions with the schedule, I decided I'd release it just to see that what the B and B and B and B are saying. Okay, man, I'm not as bad as this world, I am.
2: Members of the classic lineup are Earl Hudson, Daryl Jennifer, Dr. No on guitar, and H.R. whose initial stand for human rights. He's the lead singer and is a character. This guy is off the hook strange. People like
0: this begin to say, oh man, is is H.R. gonna show up tonight?
2: (laughs) One minute completely chill, the next minute completely volatile. He may have to not only propel the band, but also to keep the band from ever reaching the stature that they should have or could have had. originally started as a jazz fusion ensemble, but they started getting into punk music. There were no black punk bands. There was a band called Death back in the late 60s, early 70s, but they never really got anywhere until recently, and there was a documentary about them called A Band Called Death, and I highly recommend it. In fact, after hearing it, it's it really makes me wonder if somehow the bad brains didn't hear these guys at some point. One, two, three, now. wasn't available you know really the band was dead until their kids found their records and kind of started uh getting it out there and the band death was a proto-punk band along with bands like the stooges but most people hadn't heard of until recently
1: it was a great time it was that motown time
2: and you know
0: here we are in the middle of all of this playing rock and roll Nobody was making music like that
1: in '73. Three black brothers from Detroit, Michigan. Just
0: what were they called? They were Death. called Death. Death.
1: That's a good name. Have you lost your mind? You told us you guys might have a record deal if you changed the name. Absolutely not. We are fighting to maintain our identity. It's pretty hard to be black playing rock because you had to be Motown if you were black. White boy music. We got turned down by every major label. I just put the tapes in a safe place. I didn't think about it. One day the world's gonna come looking for the Deathmaster tapes. There's been hardcore history sitting up in that attic and no one's known about it. We're
2: just now discovering this band that had been sort of lying in wait something they pressed 30
1: years ago, selling for 800 bucks. Dad, why didn't you tell me? They still they playing your music at underground parties here. Keep on it's been 34 years since the songs have been heard. On it's one of those things that keeps you going to the record store, hoping
0: for another great story like that.
1: The ultimate trend, 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 trend. I don't know of a story like that. I don't know of one.
2: If you see the uh, documentary that the Foo Fighters did, uh, Sonic Highways, the Washington, D.C. episode uh, features a lot of bad brains.
1: There weren't too many kids in the hardcore scene that weren't influenced by Rock for Life. You had to have that record. You had to know that record. If you didn't know that record, your other punk rock friends might be a little suspicious, you know, like... I know every drum lick off of that record, and I have since I was 14. I knew every single one of their songs front to back. And, I, and f- from listening to Earl. I listen to Nevermind, and there's, there's little fills here and there that I just took from Earl. Listen to How Low Can a Punk Get? From that rap music for rap people compilation and listen to the intro of Smells Like Teen Spirit. They're not exactly the same, but it's close. And that's where I learned how to do it. So they were a huge influence on the whole band
2: a lot of people knew of the album Rock for Light that was produced by Rick Ocasek from the Cars and it's much more of a punk album the songs are real short to the point But then they got signed in 86 to SST Records. And they put out the first album that I really knew of them called Eye Against Eye. is the culmination of the two influences between the reggae and the, the punk and, and metal uh, sounds. That album is way well above, I believe, the other albums. Some people think that's sacrilege, but definitely the first few albums and the recordings from that time period are just kind of straight punk. The Black Dots record was done there, which is one of the greatest recordings ever. That's why
1: you hear on that recording. I was in the
0: basement. He was in the freaking bathroom. Er was in the living room.
1: Yeah, it was a house.
0: H was outside. outside yeah. yeah. Crickets and shit. Crickets and Some shit. kids watching and talking. So they wanted to do it everything live. So HR was standing in the backyard of this suburban house. The band was in the basement playing. And he's singing to what only he can hear. He's a punk rock dude, the craziest looking guy. And he's, singing. and he's jumping around, dancing around. And kids in the neighborhood just came over to see what the fuck was going on. He's like So cool, like what a great
1: idea.
2: separate reggae songs here and there, but Eye Against Eye, they really did mix the two.
0: Our business in the street
1: Reality I'm in here You're out there We know I fly
0: No crying No lying
1: I declare
2: The first song that really hit me by them is called Sacred Love. And what I liked about it was the the sound of HR's vocals. It was that real compressed vocal sound. I was at the New Music Seminar in New York City and Ron St. Germain was one of the speakers. And he told the story about how HR recorded the vocals for that. He was actually in jail and he had a Bible with him. That's where he would roll his dope. He was able to call the studio on the jail phone and he took a page or two out of his Bible and rolled it and smoked it so that he'd be in the right frame of mind to sing this song over the phone.
0: Napoleon Hill who talked about prophets, Jesus and Gandhi, and these prophets of his had a special message to give to people. and. That helped us to understand, and so we did it, and uh, it eventually led us to the Holy Bible, and we began to read the Bible and um, use that as an attitude or one of the best ways to inspire the audience and be inspired at the same time.
2: That's what HR is, character, man. He used to live in Richmond, and you'd see him every once in a while. But the the thing I remember the most was uh, me and my buddy Hunter driving to work. It's probably 7.30 in the morning or something. And we look, and we see this just pillage of smoke, this giant cloud of smoke, and this dude walking right through it. It's HR, giant dreads, and he's just smoking the spliff. And I mean, (laughs) smokes everywhere. He didn't give a shit. Broad daylight, just walking down the street in the middle of the city. It was crazy. Coincidentally, no accident that he's been arrested numerous times and he's had all kinds of problems. That guy is uncompromising in his intensity. The next one is called My Attitude.
0: <music> but that's a totally, I've got my attitude. do get what i got my attitude. I got my PMA. I got my attitude. I've got my attitude. What in the world are you headed out? Hey, I've got my PMA. Hey, I've got my PMA. What are you gonna do? I got my attitude. What are
2: you gonna do? He also did several solo albums with his brother that were pretty much straight reggae. was always a conflict in the band between Dr. No and particularly wanting to do more guitar riffing and HR wanting to do more reggae. When they would get it together, it was badass. one of the other things that hr screwed up for them was when madonna started a record label back at the height of her popularity it was called maverick records and one of the first bands she signed was the bad brains but hr couldn't keep his shit together and that all fell apart then for a while they had chuck mosley from the first version of faith no more named Joseph Israel I think and they did an album with him that just just it just didn't work You can't have anybody sing but HR, that's the band. One thing that's interesting about the Bad Brains is all the bands that they influenced, you know, I mean they influenced Anthrax and, and Henry Rollins, Beastie Boys. R-rap-ite. Wait, that was a fault. R-rap-ite. MCA, I think, from the Beastie Boys, produced their last album. Of course, if you listen to Live in Color, it's in there. Uh, They influenced Jane's Addiction, Rage Against the Machine, Chili Peppers, shitloads of bands. (laughs) Black Rock Coalition was sort of a conglomerate of bands that were playing rock. So you had Fishbone in there and 24-7 Spies, of course, Living Color. I believe Vernon Reed might have been the person who actually started the it. They even say that Henry Rollins was their first Rudy. He came to see him and he just just had to be a part of it. Level, level, level.
0: And how many beautiful girls do you look? They come from Southeast Pasta. And how many beautiful girls do you look? They come from Southwest Rasta, and I'm the beautiful girl they love. They come from Northwest Rasta.
2: Another funny story about them is uh clay's band flat stanley played with them in dc and after gig clay had to get a ride back uh, to richmond and so he rode with the bad brains here's clay you know probably 98 pounds or something right. in the van with these rasta guys and the van they're just like going to town smoking, smoking those dope. spliffs. yeah <laughs> i can only imagine clay stumbling out of this van fast times at richmond high <laughs> part of the reason they did the black rock coalition was because of the stereotypes and and you know the assumptions that black guys don't play rock music black guys don't play guitar <laughs> The thing that doesn't get spoken about which i think is important they got it from the other side as well for example there's this critic that i don't like named nelson george and he does the whole uh cultural appropriation bullshit and you can only play this kind of music or this is stealing from that or this other crap he's clearly not as in love with the music as he is with his politics and his identity bullshit i mean if you think about Jimi hendrix and sly stone sonny schrock even bb king tina turner those guys all took shit for the same things which is that they were black musicians playing to a crossover audience even henry rollins said something to the effect of just the idea that they're these black guys you know playing punk music he wanted to check it out and then the fact that they kicked ass was the bonus there were all kinds of bands that have come in their wake so check them out
1: been produced
0: by Donny Shattuck. Give thanks and praises. You're doing a beautiful job.